Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. It's a Wednesday show. You never know what you're going to get with a Wednesday show. Thanks, everybody, tuning in live on YouTube. You can check the podcast out there every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Central, or you can catch it later on the site or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. Gordon, good morning. How are you? I'm good. I uh, I got a house. Uh, mm. Yes. This morning, the landlord signed lease. Well, I didn't buy it. I rented it, but it's a process, man. Austin real estate is crazy right now, but I'm not going to be homeless starting next month. So that's good. It's always good not to be homeless. That's what we got to say. Tell the people the story of your renting experience. You told me that they were asking for essentially offers like it was a house, like a highest offer win situation. Yeah, so well, I don't know why we have up on uh, the screen um, this uh, workout Wednesday, but um, <laughs> should be Gordon's house. Should be Zillow. Put Zillow up on there so Gordon can talk about the the places that he didn't get. Yeah, so uh, apparently in Austin, it's not here's the rent price. You apply and they pick you. It is here's the rent price. Make an offer, and then mm-hmm. you have to just like go in and treat it like you're making an offer to buy a house. So me and Jojo, we figured it out and we got lucky and now we have a house. So you can come to our housewarming party sometime oh. in June or July. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm excited for that invite. I also saw there was this long thread um, from the Redfin CEO, founder, whoever, about how competitive is to get a house just to buy a house and someone literally offered to name their firstborn child after the person buying the house and they got rejected they still could not get the house we got a busy show today for a wednesday show gordon you're going to dive into the ncaa prelims we're going to talk about the doha diamond league there's also the portland track festival coming up as well um we got some workout wednesdays coming up on on the site and some previous workout Wednesdays as well too. I guess we're just going to go with this workout Wednesday graphic the entire show. That's what we're going with here. Well, I don't know if that's what people are seeing right now. I guess we have okay. to ask Elon. Elon, what 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 are people seeing on our screen? Because uh, we can't tell what we're we're kind of seeing a different screen. But so we'll anyway, keep out. going. Keep In going. Any uh, yeah. So workout Wednesday will come out. Uh, we had one to come out not on a Wednesday. Last week, but the Rory Linkletter of NAZ Elite, he ran, uh, he did a pretty cool workout at a 20 by 400, which is a lot of 400s, but the way they broke it up, it was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, I was impressed with the workout, um, but he ended up not doing too well of a, a race after, but mm-hmm. that shouldn't take away from what the workout was. The workout was still a great workout. I think you should watch it. I posted it last week. And then today, we're going to post an Aaliyah Miller workout, which, Kevin, you filmed. Mm-hmm. Brian filmed from Miles Split. I was the B-cam. Oh, you were there. For those of you who don't know industry speak, B-cam is the term for, hey, just if you get anything that's a bonus, like point a camera at the person running, and if we're able to salvage anything from you, it'll be good. Yeah, this was from a few weeks ago she does three by 400 it's a workout a session that she's done before it was interesting because four years ago when Aaliyah Miller was a freshman at Baylor flow track went out there 
and did another staple session, two by 600. So now the last year of her career, another flow track workout Wednesday it was a nice little bookend to her career. And obviously now that a thing Mo is around the 400, Aaliyah Miller has a really good chance to have the indoor outdoor sweep. So you should check that out whenever Gordon gets to, to put that up. It was uh, yeah, three by 400 session. Got some good uh, interviews with her and her coach, uh, Todd Harbor. Brian did a good job riding on the bike next to it. I did a good job just sort of lifting morale and, and being out there, but it'll be a good, it'll be a good session. This is the one from, yeah, 2017. So it's kind of cool to see the beginning and the end. We did a similar thing uh, a few years ago, like one of the first workout Wednesdays ever on flow track was that hill session with uh, Vidge, Jason Vigilante, when he was the coach at UT. And yeah. 2019, we went out and filmed Vidge doing a workout that same session with uh, Robbie Andrews, his his athlete. And Robbie's reason for wanting to do that workout was he saw the original flow track workout Wednesday and always wanted to do that session. So they were in Austin because Vidge coaching Princeton and uh, they were here for the NCAA championship. So they got a chance to do that workout. So it was kind of a, a full circle moment as well. And I felt like this was another another one of those opportunities to catch an athlete and a coach at two different points in their career doing similar sessions. And obviously for Aaliyah Miller, so much has, has changed. Yeah, this was the, the Hill, Hill session. We'll put that up right there. Um, that might've been my B cam there. Uh, actually, no, that was probably Jeremy, to be honest. This might've been me. This looks like a Kevin Sully special <laughs> shot right there. Not very good framing, some shaking. Oh no, that was actually me walking next to it. So that was not me. That was not me. I apologize to Jeremy, but if you're ever in Austin, Peace Park Hill, man. This is a this is a serious serious session. Also, Vidge could predict his times. He didn't even see the whole rep, and he'd predict his times. He'd be like, "Oh, that was a forty-one," just on the five or six seconds that he saw him running. It was uncanny. He's doing a little magic trick. Maybe he he looked at the his watch before he looked at you, and you thought he was predicting, but clearly he yeah, had yeah. like a timer in his head. But yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, so the workout Wednesday for Leah Miller comes out later today. I will start editing it as soon as this podcast is over. I should have started editing it yesterday, but I was busy, like I said, dealing with the house situation. Uh, but yeah, so now, um, hey, we got a lot of workout Wednesdays in the bank too. So yeah. obviously the Roy one last week, we have a Leah Miller this week. Next week, we're going to have 10 Men Elite. Should be exciting. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. the week after that, we're going to have El Purier. Mm -hmm. Should be exciting. That's a good workout. Uh, she killed it. Especially her and her teammate, Heather McLean, who's a low-key kind of sleeper 1,500 meter team yeah. qualifier maker maybe. Uh, and then we have a workout with uh, Gabby Thomas. Mm -hmm. We have a workout Wednesday with Pat Casey. So a bunch of workouts. It's going to be great. Fill up your calendar. Watch workout Wednesdays every Wednesday after you listen to the Flowtrack podcast <laughs> on a Wednesday. This is a great podcast. We're try as you can tell, we're trying to fill airtime. Nothing mm -hmm. much is happening. We recapped everything that happened on the weekend on Monday. There's Nothing has happened. happened yet this weekend. Uh so we're just getting through it. Anyway, it's prelim weekend, man. It's a yeah. great weekend. What do you what, are you excited about prelim weekend? 
I am excited about prelim weekend. We got full fields, full 48. As I've said before on this pod, I'm a prelim believer. Before I was a prelim skeptic, it took me going to one meet and watching Rye Benjamin and Michael Norman just go nuts. And I thought this is the greatest meet ever invented. Uh, well, not quite. Championships are better, obviously. But it was just way fat. They ran way harder than I thought they were going to run. So ever since then, it's held a special place in my heart, Gordon. What events, when you've combed through all these fields, what events stand out to you the most as being the most intriguing? Of course, the mantra is just get through, survive in advance, survive in advance, and you want to avoid disasters, especially in relays. But there is the occasion when you see something special, like you see the Michael Norman performance uh, from Sacramento a few years ago. You see the Ry Benjamin performance, right? You see um athletes kind of do their last hard effort and it gives you an indication of what they're capable of this was a ridiculous race that we're watching right now look at how slow michael norman is running the last 50 meters and then look at his finishing time he runs 46 (laughs) and he runs a 300 he ran for 350 meters he sprinted for 350 and then just obscenely jogged the last 50 meters and still run 46 but anyway what do you what are you looking for like which event is do you think the most um, pivotal, intriguing for or intriguing for you in this meet. So there are basically three different <clears throat> types of competitions. You have the field event competitions where everyone is only doing three jumps or three throws, right? And they're just qualifying. There's really no one is really putting up a big number. You just are doing the bare minimum to be top twelve. You rarely get anything interesting out of the field events, uh, throws, jumps, what have you. So there's that. That's it's kind of kind of boring. It, it kind of feels like a glorified glorified practice when it comes to field events. On the distance events, it also can kind of become a little bit of just uh, what's the word? I a formality. What I'm trying to say. Formality. Yes, uh, where no one is going to really light the track on fire with a fast time, you know, you're just trying to get in on, on time or just getting a big cue instead of a little cue. The Tell only really Schweizer a couple of years ago, I, Schweizer yeah. and Kaladi and Kurgat went off a couple of years ago. In that I know park. the conditions were good. They just went for it, but yes, I get your point. Yeah, just went for it. But like the thing we will, which we'll get to later, there will be a little bit of interesting things in the distance events because that's where you could see, an upset happened. We're like, ooh, this strong distance athlete was in the wrong heat at the wrong time and ended up getting the wrong cue and it's now knocked out. And we'll talk a little bit about that later in the pod. But the events that you actually get the best content out of is the Mm -hmm. sprint events because sprinters don't – we did see Michael Norman jog there. But in in (laughs) general, sprinters don't jog through prelim qualifying. They – go all out because they're like, hey, I got to secure my berth to NCAAs. And on both the men's and women's sides, there's some talented 100, 200, 400 hurdler type athletes in 4x1s and 4x4s where we could see some quick times. I'm excited for the men's 100 where we're going to see you know the likes of Terrence Laird on the east, uh, Sean uh, from Houston on the west. It's just going to be very um, – I think we're going to see some PRs and hopefully the the wind conditions are stable where a lot of we get some new wind legal PBs. 
Um, so I'm most excited about things like that, seeing the Florida State guys, the LSU guys, the Houston, the Texas A&Ms, the Oregon Sprinters. My, my girl, Abby Steiner from Kentucky, can she uh, show that she's fully healthy and make the Olympic team in a, in a month or so? But with all that said and done, I would say that I think it's kind of cool to really see which team can really dominate an event, mm-hmm. right? Like you look at um, Houston men. They have what? Like six to eight guys in the 100, six to eight guys in the 200. It's like, can you see a team get over like four to five guys in the same event or girls in the mm-hmm. same event? You saw BYU do that with the 10K that one year when they, I think they qualified six in the 10K. I'm looking forward to those type of storylines. Steeple, too. Yeah, they had a bunch the of steeple, people. Steeple, yeah. The steeple, yeah. All that was great analysis, and I feel like you presented that in a way that is easy to understand for people who are just tuning in. But you're forgetting one fact. What's, ooh, what's one the one fact. fact? So this whole meet, what is this meet called, Gordon? It's called the 2021 Division One NCAA East Preliminary Round. Yeah, let's focus on that last word, prelims. Because what have we learned this year, Gordon? Prelim time is PR, PR. time. <laughs> Yerdner Goose, 334 ACC prelim. Is somebody going to pull a Nagoose? Who is <laughs> the best candidate to pull a Nagoose and live out the mantra that prelim time is PR time? in the distance races. Cause I think we're going to see somebody, we're going to see somebody put this shirt on and get ready to roll. They're going to carry the torch from what Nagoose did in ACCs into prelims. Who is your pick for distance runner, big PR in a prelim in, in this weekend's meet? Ooh. Well, the thing is like they, Nagoose had a reason to PR, right? He was like trying to qualify for the Olympics. So I think mm-hmm. the only person who's going to really put down a fast time is someone who needs to put down a fast time. Mm-hmm. Keep going. You're, you're getting closer Ooh. to the answer. Connor Mance. Okay. 10K? Because he doesn't have the, the Olympic standard. And he's not running the five. He's going all out. He's focusing all on the 10. Maybe it's Connor Mance? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, what else? Who else? Who else do you think? Oh, I mean Wesley Kip too, because he doesn't know how to run prelims. <laughs> He's probably gonna go out there and break 13 minutes in the 5K. But who look at these heats? Who look at these heats? These are finals quality heats, right? Like you scroll through these things. Um, if you go to the five the 5K side of things and you scroll through them, you're gonna get a lot of competition. You don't need to wait until. You get to Eugene to run fast. I just don't think like this this men's 5K heat, you know, you got you got Cole Hawker in there, Cole Sprout, Amon Kemboy, Nico Young. This is a completely stacked heat in one of these heats, right? Yeah. Uh you don't and if the weather is good, you want to take advantage of it. I don't know if everybody knows the world ranking system as well as you and what i mean by that is that 
there could be people who really are just gunning for that qualifying time. And I think there's other people who fancy themselves like the goose who think, Hey, I got a shot at the Olympic team in the 1500. Or I got a shot at the 5k, uh, Olympic team. And they're not going to waste an opportunity to get it. And they're not doing the math like you are. They're not, they're not going out there and thinking, Oh, I just need, if I run four, three I'll be good. I think they're thinking I got to run a three thirty-four. Here's my pick though. And this is an obvious pick. You go to the women's side, you go to the steeplechase and you look at Courtney Weymouth and you think oh, okay. in her debut, she ran that fast in that, in her debut, she entered the pantheon of us women's steeplers with Simpson, with Quigley, with Frericks, with Cobra, right? She's already there after one race with 934. I think she's going to bust into the 930s. I think she'll save something. She'll leave some, a little bit in the tank, but I think she will She will PR this weekend. Okay, so there's a lot of things you said that are just not true. And some things you said true? are true. No one's going to try to run a fast 5K. It's going to be strategic. They need to be top five. No one isn't going to do that. Like Wrong. Go look at the women. Travis, pull up the, the results from 2019 West women's prelim. Look how fast they ran when you had – uh, you had Kaladi, you had Kurgot, you had Schweizer. I think you had Alio in that heat as well. They were ridiculously fast. They may not be fast by, I'm talking West here, Travis. They may not be fast by 2020 elite standards, but by NCAA standards, the, the race was nuts. And they didn't even need to go that fast. I think you're forgetting when you get a whole bunch of really, really good people together. Actually, sorry, 2018, my fault, because it was Schweizer's senior year. 2018 women's 5K. But anyway, keep going with uh, your incorrect assumptions about what I have incorrect. I just think that we – it takes a certain type of individual. I do agree with you, Courtney Wayman. I think she might try to run fast to try to secure uh, – because she, does she have the A standard now? Does she have the Olympic standard? She doesn't yet, right? Or it's does 930, she? isn't it? Isn't it yeah, so she's probably going to break 930 to make sure she secures a standard. Okay, yeah. I mean, we're looking at these 2018 results. There was a, a bunch of women who ran pretty fast. And we might way see that again. Than they but to. I, way faster yeah, than they needed way, to. Way faster than they needed to. I don't think it's that much faster than they needed to. I mean... Yeah, man. I called this race. Schweizer was clear. Nobody was out kicking Krisha Schweizer. Right? You saw how fast she was in the mile. There was no reason for her to run that fast. They wanted a hard effort. I think some people are going to go for it. I don't think... I don't think... Gordon, you're understanding the power of prelim time, right? I think we need to get you a shirt. We need to get you a custom shirt for this because you're not believing. But, like, I just – I also think it's uh, a, a type of – it takes a, a certain type of honor. I do think – yeah, okay, we're looking back at this 2018 race. Schweizer did push the pace. It was a thing, but I also I was think literally that's a, there. Why do you not believe me? I was literally there next to Kevin Selby, and you still don't believe I, me. I need yeah, video just, evidence from Travis to believe me. Come on, man. I don't know. I think this is what I think. I'm going to go through it. I think the 800s are going to be vanilla, and I think the fastest times are going to be 146 to 147. On the women's side, it'll be 20. 2s to 204s. 
1500s are all going to be in the 342 sitting kicks on the women's side it's going to be 415s sitting kicks on the in the in the steeple i do agree with you Cordy Wayman will go out Hard as we try Schweizer, to get through. Look at Schweizer kicking the last hundred, just like lapping people. Okay. As you talk about how no one's going to take this seriously. I think in, in I think in steeple, yes, Courtney <laughs> Wayman will go hard. You might have a couple guys go hard because they need a PR. Five Ks are going to be slow, except for Wesley Kiptu's heat. And then ten Ks on the women's side, it's going to be slow. On the men's side, I think you might see Connor Mance potentially try to go take another shot at the. Is Kiptu in the first seat or the second heat? Uh, is Kip doing the first heat or the second heat? Well, we'll get to that. We'll show, we'll we'll get to that when we do my breakdown of the of the five k. Well, but um, no, it's relevant because you're saying Kip Tu's heat will go fast. Well, first of all, that's fifty percent of the heats because there's only two heats. Two, it's going to cause a chain reaction where everybody behind him is probably going to get pulled out to a faster pace because we've seen that. And then if he's in the first heat, that's going to make all the small cues fast. And then the next heat is going to have to go quick if they want to get people out of it. Thank you. So he is, he's in the, um, I'll tell you, he's in the second heat. Okay. Well, never mind then. Yeah, he's in the second Take heat. Take all that back. All right. <laughs> Should we just go right into it? Let's, let's talk about this 5k. Into what? What are we getting into? I have a, I have a, I want, I want, I thought, um, I we're not already in it. Yeah. Oh, we, we need no, to talk about the 5k. We got to talk about the 5k. Uh, Travis, I think you need to pull up my Gordon's 5k predictions where I correctly will predict the 12 qualifiers in each region on men's and women's sides in the 5K. So, Travis, if you want to pull up my Google sheet and we can put this up on the screen, I'll I'll, de I'll text you the Google sheet. I, sh I shared the file with you, but he's got it up. All right, so we'll start with the men's 5K on the east, right? And we'll bring up this graphic. And it's color coordinated. Red means there's no way you're making this. You're, there's no way you're going to qualify. Green means that's where I think he's going to qualify. And yellow means you probably might qualify, but I'm picking you not to. So, like, red means you're not making it. Green means I think you are. Yellow means, hey, maybe I'm wrong and replaces some of the greens with some of the yellows. And I have two sides. I have uh, the left side is heat one. The right side is heat two. So clearly it's it's five up per heat, right? And then two uh, on time. I predict that it's going to be an even six and six. Heat one will take six. Heat two will take six. Mm -hmm. And basically in heat two, I think all the top guys will go with the exception of Alex Masai, who only has a 1351 season's best. Because I think Alex Masai will find a way to be in the top six in his heat. And on the other side of the bracket, I have someone like Simon Bedard getting knocked out, even though he's running 13.34. And then I have someone like Ben Veach, who's only has a 13.52 PB qualifying, and someone, and Ihab El Sadali of Iona, who only has a 13.44 qualifying. Because I just don't think it's going to be chalk. I don't think just the 12 fastest times are going to qualify. I do mm -hmm. think there's going to be upsets. Do you see anything wrong with my predictions here so far? The East looks pretty – Yeah. I mean, anybody in the yellow could make it, certainly. And I think, obviously, there's a puncher's chance for anybody in the red. But, yeah, that you have the big names advancing there for sure. Yeah. So, 
we go, should we go on to – so I, I, I just think it's uh, – we'll let's go on to the next one. Let's do East Women. I, this is a Wednesday pod. We're, we're, gonna, we're talking about figuring out we're who's going to be 13th dive. and 12th. We're doing a deep dive. Yeah. On East Women, I think there's going to be seven that come from the first heat and five that come from the second heat. Um, the seven from the first heat are going to be the seven fastest times, uh, seat times. The five from the second heat, I have, I have the underdogs – I got Emily McKay of Binghamton and Kaylee Richards of UMass Lowell kind of upsetting, you know, the power five athletes like Savannah Shaw of NC State, mm-hmm. Jessica Drop of Georgia, Esther Katai of Alabama. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see some small school action in that second heat uh, joined by the two Alabama duo and Wasserman of Notre Dame. Okay. Do you have any thoughts on my list here? No, let's just say who's in the you have in the first heat though, because people listening won't see this. Oh so yes, you have Hannah, Hannah Steelman, Fagans, Magnus, Tui, Claremont, and Cabellis. You have you still have four NC State women advancing in the first heat. So NC State theoretically, I mean, with Camille and and Shaw, NC State could could get six women into this this uh, NCAA uh, final, which is interesting. The thing. The thing about the NC State women, though, is they are doing a lot of doubling. And so unlike Hannah Steelman's going to be in the steeple. So unlike yeah. Caitlin Tui is in the 1500. So they could qualify in those events and then kind of scratch his 5K or just be kind of qualified in those events but then get burned out. In mm-hmm. uh, Like, I mean, look at this. Kelsey, Camille, Dominic Claremont are running the 15, the 5, and the 10. Yeah. Well, like, we assume they would scratch, right? Yeah. But like you could tell, they're just kind of the five K is kind of their their final yeah. opportunity. Maybe they're not gonna go all out in that five. And so someone like Hannah Steelman maybe just will scratch the five, but we don't know. Well, she did both back at NCAA's in 2019. She yeah. of, of all people, I think she's capable of doing it just because she's done it before. That's a brutal double, brutal double. But I guess the biggest surprise is Gitahi, not moving through here because of the I mean, she's pretty experienced but yeah, yeah. Chalangat Taisma, Hannes Steelman all the big names and then we'll scroll down to go to the let's do the West women so skip the, the West men we'll say that one for last uh <laughs> this I had a I, I had a bunch of kind of like I don't people I don't have making it who are in the top 12 I don't have Haley Herberg of Washington I don't have Claire O'Brien of Boise State, and I don't mm-hmm. have Poppy Tank of Utah. Um, but hey, it is what it is, and this is who I just think is going to make it. You know, the way I kind of decided this was <laughs> based on how they did at conferences. So I looked at like their 5K or 10K finish at their conference meet, and if they ran mm-hmm. well, I was like, oh, they're in shape. And if they didn't run well, I was like, oh, looks like their time is from way ways back and they're not the same type of racer that they once were so that's how i skipped over some people okay so say you get all these right you're a perfect uh you have a perfect score then we get to the west men which probably is the most difficult to predict of the four and the most exciting uh first of all let's start with the heat one we're gonna see cole hawker go up against luis grijalva and Nico Young in that same race. What yeah. do you think? How do you think that's going to play out? How do you think Hawker's going to handle that race? How do you think someone like Grijalva and Young 
are going to handle that race. It's a prelim. Hawker's coming off the 1500, most most likely the 1500 uh, semifinals. Mm-hmm. How do you think well, that race is going to play out? I don't think the names you mentioned are the most important people in terms of how that race will be formed. I think it's going to be the people who want nothing to do with the kick of Hawker, <laughs> Grijalva, et cetera. The people who are on that bubble, the people that you have in yellow there, like Mawara, Bolger, Johnson, Ibrahim, Boyden, Shopee, Sprout, names like that, because they're going to have to get the pace going. And this is why I think it's going to be fast, is because those guys that I mentioned are capable of 1330 mids. You can see their PRs right there. So if they go out just slightly under PR pace, which is not unrealistic for a race of this magnitude, and then you add on top of that, they're going to look around with 1,200 to go, and they're still going to need to shake some people. And then that's when Young and Herrera are going to want to get a little loose and and push the pace. And then before I know it, you got Cole Hawker running a 4240 to close this thing out because that's <laughs> about how fast he did he was at Pac-12s. So th- that's that's what I think. I think obviously they'll advance, and Hawker is not going to want to do uh, much work, nor should he. Same thing with Grijalva. But I think you're just going to see the effect of the cumulative toll of how fast this event has gotten. And the the byproduct is going to be a really, really quick race here. Do you think, who do you think wins that heat? I mean, let me just say, I don't think it matters because we've been through yes, this we know that. routine before and we've seen people win this heat and then, and then move on. I could see I mean, probably Hawker. <laughs> Probably Hawker, because again he'll he'll do that little burst and then he'll get away and then everybody will be like, okay, he's gone. Let's just look around and then make sure we're in that top group. In that top, I don't think uh, Hawker's top five. I don't think Hawker's gonna win. He's coming off the fifteen. I think Hawker is just gonna be. Like, you think Hawker cares about sure. a double? You think that bothers him at all? The fact that he came up I think 15. Hawker is going to be like, all right, I, I've already run two 1500s in my legs. I just need to get through this 5K to get me to back home in Eugene. And I don't think yeah. he's going to be like, try to like, sh- like Hawker's lost races before, you know? <clears throat> he's, well, I don't think and he's I gonna, think Hawk- let me be clear. I don't think he's going to try to win it. His goal isn't going to be, I'm going to get this dub. I just think he's good enough where he can win this on accident. And the fact that he's got a little bit less experience, you see that sometimes. The younger guys go out and win it because someone like Grijalva, been there before, a little more experienced, probably a little better at judging effort than some of the younger guys. So that's what I think. I don't think he's going to want to win it. I think he's just going to win it by accident because he's going to make that move and he's going to look around and he's going to say, oh, damn, I shouldn't have gone that that fast. Maybe I – maybe I – like threw my foot on the gas pedal too hard and I shook everybody. Cause then no one's getting what incentive, like if he has a little bit of a gap in the last lap, what incentive does anybody have to close it? They don't, but I think Hawker just has that acceleration. I just don't think Hawker, I think I'm I'm going to take the field over Hawker. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's a prelim. I'm just saying these things often comes down to like, who's good enough that they can win even when they're not trying to win. And I think I Hawker's mean, skills... could do that. Right, but I'm saying Hawker's skill set leads more to that. Right? If it's you'll agree with me here. 
I, I agree Grijalva is an amazing kick, but if it came down to one of those races where it's like 100 meters to go and you're squaring up, like you're taking Hawker in that. We've seen enough from Hawker to where you take him in that spot. Like that quick burst of speed, I think advantage goes to Hawker and then he'll make that first move and Grijalva will be like, all right, I'm fine. I'll coast through. I'll get third or fourth. The second what heat, data though, points? What, what data points are say that Hawker is the fastest in the final 100 meters? The NCAA indoor mile final, the NCAA indoor 3,000 meter final, the Pac-12 5,000 meter final, all were good. What about what about the that Oregon 1500 where you got third? Oh, that was more spread out. That wasn't like a rapid acceleration. That wasn't a rapid escalation of pace. That was measured out over a series of 1,200 meters, or by the time you got to 100, 1,400 meters. Also, is, is Jared Nagus in this race? I don't no, see Jared Nagus in this race. Uh, Cooper okay. Tier beat him in that race, and Cooper Tier is... Is Cooper Tier in this race? He's worse than Luis Grijalva. I just don't... <laughs> I'm saying, I just think Luis Grijalva is better runner than Hawker. I'm just... Here, here's Older, what I'm saying. More, you know. I'm, just, I'm just saying there's a difference between a kick that we think from 400 out or even extending out to 600 out versus final 200, final 100. And I think you're forgetting how good Hawker was indoors. Yeah, I'll say Travis has got it. Johnny on the spot here with Travis. Enhance, enhance Cole Hawker's last 200-meter split. Oh, it's a 25-point. And, of course, he's shown us outdoors he can do it. It's it's a different deal than a, a pace 1500. It's whatever. Let's talk about the second heat. Let's talk yeah. about that. Yeah. Someone in the chat says, who cares about who wins the prelims? Move along. Yes, I agree. Gordon just wants to argue about something on a Wednesday show. Well, I just think, it, I don't know. There's going to be a... It, uh, they're not going to... Here's what I'm saying. No one's going to try to win. Hawker is the most likely to win, though, amongst okay. the people who are not trying to win. That's what I'm saying. Right. I'm not saying that's an amazing skill set to have or that's going to mean he's going to win 10 gold medals in his career. I just mean on this weekend, that's going to be... Uh, more likely than not. Cooper Cheer, Wesley Kipp to Casey Klinger in the next seat with Garnica, et cetera. Break this one down. So, so here I basically, the people who aren't seated that I knock out is Brandon Garnica, who's run 1326 of BYU, Luke Mead, who's run 1334 of Arkansas. I kick those two guys out. And then I also technically, I guess, kick out um, John Dressel of Colorado, who's run 1336. John Dressel is going to be in the 10K, so I think he's going to qualify in the 10K and kind of just be like, all right, I'm a 60-year senior. I don't need to do no doubles anymore. I'm in the 10K. Let's just cruise in this five. Uh, but I think someone like Olin Hacker is a sleeper. He ran well at Big Tens, um, even though he only has a 1342 PB. He's coming on strong late in the season. Alec Parsons has been – Alec Parsons and Charles Hicks – have been a great one-two punch uh, at Stanford, and they've been running well. Uh, kind of got overlooked, obviously, in Pac-12 because of the Oregon duo, but they're legitimate. And then, obviously, Tier, Kiptu, and Klinger. I, I don't see them, that big three in this heat, getting broken up. This will just be interesting because we don't know how people are going to react to, to Kiptu. Again, he comes with a warning label before every race. I agree, Tier, Kiptu, Klinger. Nobody's breaking those three up. I would have Garnica in. 1326 is 1326. I would have Dressel in as well. I think the experience matters in, in a so race. So who'd you like take this. out? I would put them ahead of the Stanford guys and 
I mean, ahead of Hacker as well too. But you're right. This is where you're seeing the complete squeeze that this event has because you're having legitimate debates about whether or not a 1326 guy is going to qualify. It's insane if you if you think about it. So yeah, I I understand you putting putting him in. I'm not going to say it's a bad pick. I'm just saying I would I would roll with Garnica and and Dressel in this heat. I don't see any way those top three don't advance. And then once you do that, you think okay, well there's only you know max three spots probably left. It's tough. Yeah. This is tough. If you get all these right, I'll give you credit. I know I'm not going to get them right. And the reason why I know I'm not going to get them right is because there are going to be scratches that I don't expect. And by scratches, I'm not saying they don't race. I'm saying they go out there and jog 1430. Mm -hmm. There are going to be a couple that I pick. And the reason why is because they qualified in the 10K or they qualified in the 3K steeple. So that's going to be – or they qualified in the 1500 and they're like, all right, I'm done. That's the thing you don't know about this 5K is you don't know who truly is trying and not trying. Um, yeah, the only ones you know are trying are all in on just entered in the five, but outside of that, you just have to hope that they care just as much about the fives as they do their earlier event. Mm -hmm. You never know. So, well, one guy we know is gonna try, and Ross brings this up in the chat. Kip two is my bet to win the prelim because he ain't about losing, he's gonna try. I think Wesley Kip two is gonna go for it, and I think it'll be really interesting to see does he just gap everybody and then. There are, there's two races, basically. There's the Kip 2 race, and then there's everybody else. Um, or does someone like Tier? Does he go slow enough to where Tier goes with him and pulls Klinger along and by default brings four or five other people along with him? That'd be fun. Or does Kip 2 chill? Does Kip 2 show us something that he hasn't showed us before? How many events has Wesley Kip 2 entered in in this meet? Is it seven or Just eight? Two. I don't know how <laughs> many he's in. Just two. Oh. I'm kind of bummed, though, about this 5K because there's no Connor Mance and no Edwin Kurgat. Imagine if you threw Connor Mance and Edwin Kurgat also into that field. It would just be an crazy, like, but, you know. Yerna Goose in the East. Yeah. Yeah, throwing yeah. Yerna Goose in the East. You got about 75% of what you want, which in a trade. Kip, two is entered in the three. He's entered in the steeple. No, he, so that I think that's just not right. Okay. Do we have the steeple Because if you entries? click – yeah, they're not – he's not in the steeple. I think those entries aren't right. Well, that's no fun. Yeah. He's not in the steeple. No. Could, could it be a stealth entry? So I think those times are just like times where they were in the top 90, but they didn't declare. So – Gotcha. That, yeah, the flash results here aren't 100% aren't, uh, accurate there. So Good, good, good. Can you turn your phone up louder? So everybody yeah, can, I can hear your alerts. Okay, good, good, good. Somehow you yeah. sleep through your alarm, yet you're the only person I know who still has a ringer that goes on their phone. That's incredible. Well, you're working. You're trying to get on House Hunters, so I get that. So yes, that man, sense. it's you're closing deals as we speak. Closing deals for rentals. It's crazy. So do 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 do. Anyway, okay. What? Else? Give me one more event. One non five k ten k steeple. Something eight hundred or below. 800 or below. Either region. 800 or below. Either general. Um I guess it's always kind of fun to just see who's going to run fast in the in the hundreds. I mean, uh Travis would be instead of bringing up uh the start list here, it might be easier to go to go to RT PST 
rtspt.com slash here i'll just i'll 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 gmail you the link oh gordon's gmail i'll I'll, I'll text you (laughs) this will be easier for people yeah he's on it go to declared athletes though not to start list travis i'll drop box you a link later yeah this is just great audio people love listening to this there you go so okay um so it's just kind of interesting to see like where the number 12 mark is in each event. Gotcha. So like in the men's 100, it's 10-2 is 12. Mm-hmm. So compare that to East. So if you change the URL for to East, Travis. So in the in the West, the top 12 is 10-2. In the yeah. East, the top 12 is 10-17. Right, right, right. And it's kind of interesting to see like it's better to be. I think the East 100 is going to be a lot harder to qualify for because you have the big three of Laird, Martin, and Bowling, all who have yeah. sub-10 PBs. And don't forget Joseph Amoa, who's like a fifth-year senior from Coppin State, who's run 10 flat. Um, I just think we might see some some crazy stellar uh, sprint times, especially in the East, if the weather holds up in Florida. It's going to be great, yeah. great weather. Um I was uh, chatting with Trayvon Bromel, who trains on the track that I think uh, this meet is going to be held at. And he's mm-hmm. been saying, man, watch out for Javon Martin. He's the real deal. Uh, he saw him run his 994 earlier this year. He's expecting even bigger things from him in uh, this prelim. And for the fastest man in the world to be kind of hyping you up, <laughs> it, it, it means something. So... I'm excited to see Laird versus Martin versus Bowling. And what we got to hope is we got to hope that when they do get to their final, that they're not broken out into the three different heats, that for some weird reason they get bumped into the same race so we could see them go up against each other. So Laird's Laird's season has been nothing short of spectacular. So you want to see if that can continue. And then Javon Martin, obviously that big eye-popping time. Now we're in championship season. And we hope the weather – cooperates not just the temperature but the wind because we've had some crazy winds lately we've had crazy winds in this event i remember a couple years ago there was an insane women's 200 that was run with like a plus four or something and i think it was shania collins ran some ridiculous yeah um wind dated time so we hope that the weather cooperates there on the west men's hundred it's pretty interesting those two freshmen there michael williams and sean maswangani of of Houston to so see them in the in a, in a big meet. Williams, I mean, they both were at indoors. Williams obviously won it, so you think that they'll they'll be fine. But I see them as as especially Maswangani is as the man to beat or the guys guys to beat. I think Williams obviously because of his sixty, you have to take him seriously. Not too much of a gap between second and third there, so that should be fun on the women's side of things. I know you're big on, obviously, Steiner in the 200 and Tamara Clark. I'm guessing you're going to think that she's going to put out some some big marks in the 100. Yeah, Tamara Clark is kind of the – no one's really talking about it yet because um, mm-hmm. even though she's been around, she's a junior, she – I don't know, for some reason, it's it kind of takes hard for certain sprinter athletes to kind of take off on the women's side. I mean – a lot of it's based on youth, like where everyone got into Shakari Richardson when she was doing her thing at LSU, a Sydney McLaughlin as a freshman 
Uh, people really like freshman sprinters on the women's side, but she has been just dominating uh, her junior year. Mm-hmm. She pulled off the double um, in the one and the two, both uh, won in quick times. I guess they were wind-aided, so kind of people kind of forget about marks when they're wind-aided. I mean, 21.89 is an incredible time, yeah. but it was 4.1 wind. Uh, I just want her to get some – up two fast win legal marks. So everyone's like, whoa, she's like 10, nine low and uh 22.1. And then you'll be like, oh, okay. Watch yeah. out pros. She's coming for you. There's space right now in the women's hundred on the U S side of things for a college kid to go in there and snatch a spot to the Olympics. That's certainly true. Women's. 400, obviously all eyes will be on a thing. Mo, I think she just cruises, Gordon. I don't, I could be completely wrong. She could be one of those people who says prelim time is PR time, but I think she'll just try to cruise through that West prelim race and move on because well, she's got bigger goals. But I don't know. I don't know. I if do, she decided to run 49 mid, it would not surprise me. I think she's going to try to run fast. Okay. That's the reason why she's doing this event is because it gives her four more 400s. And there's no reason to skip these two and be like only focused on trying to run fast in the final two. I remember Fred Curley broke the collegiate record at yeah, the prelims. Yeah. He's text saying, um, I can see a thing, Mo. Yeah. This is, I think this is the prototypical PR prelim time is PR time. It's PR prelim time. It's a thing, Mo PR time. That's new. Okay. New so you think she's going to go for it here? You think she's yes, going to attack it in the model of, Curly in the model of Ry Benjamin a few years ago and yeah. try to PR. Okay. Yes. Listen, I, I think she see gets it. it. I think she gets it. It's on her home track. I think yeah. she gets it. Well, that's the other part of it too. Racing at home, less strain of travel. She's familiar with her surroundings, can really give it a shot. Okay. That'll be interesting. That's a great uh, reply there by – Craig Engels might as well hop in the 5k at this point too. He's just like scrolling through Instagram, giving a thing Mo props. Great job there by Craig Engels. Um, the 800. So because Mo is not in the 800, that opens things up. That's a pretty crowded event. That's the last one I wanted to to talk about today. We talked about Aaliyah Miller and the workout, but this is a this is going to be a very competitive uh, women's 800 meter field. I I would you say Miller's the favorite overall right now? I don't have your – let me pull up your rankings. Yeah, what do I have in my rankings? We're looking at – that's just the West uh, 800. The West 800 is not as deep as the East 800. I think the East 800 is better when it comes to the women. But – You have Lori Barton yeah. of Clemson, number one right now, and then Aaliyah Miller, two. Lindsey Butler of Vatek, three. Amber Tanner, then Wilkinson. So you have four of the top five coming from the East. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, the East is just better than the eight. Uh, yeah. When it comes to this, even sometimes in, in on the men's side too, I bet Ben do have the men do have Iowa State and A and M and a USC right now. But typically, you have a lot of like the Georgia Techs and the Virginia Techs and the mm-hmm. the Clemsons of this world. So, yeah, men's eight, yeah. men's eight's gonna be interesting because Jewett is coming off that Pac twelve title. Hunter looked amazing indoors, obviously, but he's gonna get pushed, and Brandon Miller's on the rise. Should be a fun one. Finley, Finley McClear, who you think will compete for the U.S. at the Olympic trials, <laughs> you have him ranked seventh there. 
from Miami of Ohio. Can't forget about him. Uh, okay, let's talk. Let's talk about real quick. We we went through the Doha Diamond League start lists on Monday show. This meet is going to take place on Friday, just after we record. So we wanted to talk about it now because by the time the episode gets posted on Friday, that meet will already be underway. Three big races I'm looking at here. Women's 100 right now because you get Richardson versus Fraser Price again. Didn't Men's so one of them drop out? Didn't people drop out of that race? As of right now, I just refreshed okay, the Doha Star Lift. Ahore, Conliff, Del Ponte, Fraser Price, Okabari, Oliver, Richardson, and Tolu. Men's 400, you have Curly v. Norman. And Norman's last trip to Doha it didn't go well, so that should be exciting. Also, uh, Zambrano of Colombia is in there, who you shouldn't sleep on him because he was silver medalist last year, beat Curly in Doha. And then you have the men's formula hurdles, which features Rye Benjamin and Abdurrahman Samba racing at home. Those guys have only raced twice against each other in their entire career, both in 2019. The series is one-to-one between them, and we saw how good Benjamin looked in his opener. You know, maybe... Maybe he runs 47 low. Maybe he maybe he's already in PR shape. I don't know. He looked pretty pretty good pretty early uh, at Mount Sac. You ready for my predictions? I'm going with Shakari Richardson in the 100. I'm going with Ry Benjamin in the four hurdles. And I'm going with Fred Curley. Over Michael Norman. The 400 is interesting because it's two different approaches. Norman's been running 400s early season, and they've been good. He's been good enough to win, but he hasn't done what he did in 2019 where he drops that 43-45 in April, and maybe that's by design. Maybe they're taking a little bit more cautious approach this year. Versus Curly, who's running a bunch of 100s and is beating some of the best men in the world in the 100, running the 200 as well too. That'll be an interesting thing to compare those different approaches. So I think this race will tell us uh, something. It's not going to tell us everything because I'm old enough to remember the 2019 season where it had that had three turns to it or four. It had the after the Mount Sac race, it was Michael Norman's assured thing for gold. Could he be the first man to break 43 seconds in Doha? That was the first act. Second act was Fred Curley beats him at USA's. Okay, this is all about Fred Curley and Michael Norman. Third act was right before Doha when we were wondering about Norman and is he back to to where he was? Is he fully healthy? And then the fourth act was the actual race when it went Stephen Gardner, Zambrano, and Curley, one, two, three. So I do not pretend to know anything about this event. All I know is that it's exciting that the two people we think are favorites are racing against each other a month before the trials. So you just see on your screen, uh, Michael Norman's caption is redemption, Doha with a pin. Yeah. And he juxtaposed that with Curly's Twitter post, which is, I've Travis would put it back up. Curly, he says, um, just a Doha flag, be good to me, 
fingers crossed. So in your mind, what is the better uh, pre-meet social post? Doha flag, be good to me, fingers crossed, or <laughs> Norman doing redemption period with a pin mark on Doha? I like both of them did a great job with the emojis. I like the flag emoji on Curly's side of things. I like the pin for Norman. Listen, I think both of them are responding to how you think they would respond. Norman needs redemption. Doha was a nightmare for him last time. The only person who had a worse experience in Doha than Norman was Lincoln. And he's no longer working for us. I mean, it just goes to show you uh, how rough it. No, just kidding. Link, it was fine. Uh, yeah, I'll they give both it to Norman. Like, I'll give it to Norman. Are here. they both like scared of Doha in a way? Like, no, Curly's no, no, asking no. for, be good to me. Norman's asking for redemption. Like, the relationship between our best US 400 meter runners and the city of Qatar is not too strong right now. Yeah. Uh, Doha. Um, Oh, city well, of the Doha, only, Qatar. Yeah. This is the only race that's important where they were this year in Doha. So the world champ or the Olympics are not in Doha this year. The Olympic trials are not in Doha. I guess I like the redemption because redemption is more of a, a compelling storyline. And as I mentioned, this race is all well and good. I'm you're gonna need to check me on this. Gordon promised me you'll hold me accountable on Monday. Don't have me make grand proclamations based on this race. Even if someone does something in, insanely fast. Don't let me anoint anybody in the men's 400. Say, Kevin, you need to learn your lesson for 2019. So you're saying it'd be too close to call is going to be the reaction? Gonna be My reaction is going to be like, oh, man, that was interesting. Such and such looks like they're in great shape. <laughs> Moving on. My reaction is, no. oh, man, that is interesting. <laughs> Imagine oh, if man. at Sports Center, just the two anchors after every game, like, oh, man, that was interesting. Now up to the next sport. Oh, man, that was interesting as well. Yeah. I'm not going to be suckered in to look like a sucker about the men's 400. Uh, yeah, I'll give the I'll give the Instagram slash Twitter advantage here to to Norman because I he's calling it out. He's basically saying redemption, which is basically saying last time was bad, this time is going to be better. And I like it when athletes call it out. I had never seen the fingers crossed emoji though for curlies. This one's close, just like the race. This is going to be close. Um, you were talking about sports. That gives me an opportunity to inter introduce a new segment for the show that you're not aware of. But in an effort to try to get you to stay on task, stay on topic, I'm allowing you 60 seconds to talk about the Sixers each episode in a segment I'm calling 60 Seconds of Sixers. And you only get 60 seconds and then you have to stop. You may begin. So tonight is game two of Wizards versus Sixers. We already have seen Brooklyn dominate uh, Boston. We've seen Milwaukee dominate the Heat. And now is the time for the Sixers to dominate the Wizards. So all three of these big three teams can go into the second round with confidence. And I'm telling you, the Sixers are the reincarnation of the 2015 Warriors and beyond. I've been saying it. I posted on Reddit uh, the other day, actually yesterday, about uh, a, a draft pick, and Daryl Morey himself uh, responded to it. But yeah, look at this. Let's bring this graphic up again. Uh, look at this. It, it's 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 happening, right? It's just happening. Both the Warriors and the Sixers Ten were preseason preseason odds eighth best. 
Curry and Thompson, 26 and 24. Five seconds. Beat and Simmons, 26 and 24. Both, Three, They two, both won their first playoff game one. by seven points. That's and that'll do it for that. today's edition of 60 Seconds of Sixers with Can Jordan I get 76 Mack. seconds of Sixers? Because no, you get Sixers. You get 60 seconds, or I will revoke oh, it for next time. And okay. I know the producer. They will cut your mic. You you will get 60 more seconds on Friday, and you can talk more about it then. I will add this. I do another podcast, The House of Run, and we have a lot of overseas listeners. And one listener who's from the Shetland Islands is new to the NBA, like adopted the NBA last year, and he chose as his team the Sixers, and it made me furious. And I'm hoping to get an explanation from him why he chose them. And I will send that information to you so that way you know how to recruit more Sixers fans throughout the world. Maybe you can use this podcast as a vehicle to do that. I don't know. Also, hold on. Let's look at this. Pull up the tweet again or that whole screen. In relevant people, so the people that are tagged in this conversation, can can we back up and just see the whole screen there? Because the two people involved in this conversation – uh, if you zoom to the right, there are Gordon Mack and Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey's bio says Philadelphia 76ers B-Ball Ops president. Opportunity is not a lengthy visitor. So a very impressive title and then inspirational quote. Meanwhile, the person he's interacting with on Twitter, at Gordon Mack, quote, Shubi Doo-Wop and Scooby Snacks is the greatest lyric of all time. Don't at me. I mean, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. That's a great, that's a great lyric. Just you know where that's from, right? He's spending his... No, I don't know. You don't know what Scooby-Doo up and Scooby Snacks? Come on. Scooby-Doo? I'm going to let you figure it out. I'm going to do not... a little Googling, and you'll be able to discover it's... it, and we can talk about it on the next pod. It's not from Scooby-Doo? No. it's First of all, it's not saying Scooby-Doo. It's getting Scooby-Doo. Shooby doo Wop and Scooby Snaps. I know, but... I guess, oh, it is, Scooby... I guess Scooby Snacks is Scooby-Doo. Yeah, but... Yeah. You'll you'll see. Just uh, Google it. Maybe people in the, ask- in the in the chat can uh, t- can uh, enlighten you, Kevin, on where that's from. It's from here. It is there. Travis found it. Yeah, girl on TV, it. man. This is just greatest making... band in the two the greatest band in the two thousands. Oh my gosh! I, I think wonder if Daryl Morey knows who he's. I think one of the with. band members passed away though, like ten years ago. Do you think Daryl Morey knows that he's interacting with someone who has a media platform and uses it to send ridiculous spreadsheets? I think LFO's Girl on TV, it reminds me of my childhood. Oh. And it's, a great, it's a great lyric. LFO. I remember LFO. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's good. I mean, no, it doesn't make it any better, but I remember LFO. <laughs> I, will, I, will, I, will, I will grant you that. All right. I think we've gone on long enough. I want to thank everybody for tuning in live on YouTube for all the comments. Always lively over there. <laughs> Subscribe to the FlowTrack podcast. You can find the show on our website, flowtrack.org slash podcast. As Gordon mentioned, Workout Wednesday coming out on Wednesday. I start editing. With Aliyah Miller. Check that out on YouTube or on the website. Thanks to Alon for producing. Thanks to Travis for producing. We'll talk to you guys on Friday. Go Sixers.